Hey there, and welcome to episode number 216 of Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is March 1974. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. No Jamie this week. Yeah, we let him go. We, we set him free to see if, you know, if he comes back. It's yeah. meant to be. I don't know if he's going to. We made him read so many comics for uh, last week's Omnibus episode that he fled to the other side of the country. Um, we are trying to talk him back into returning. Um, we'll <laughs> keep you posted on that. Right now, it's pretty touch and go. Uh, but, uh, hey, before we get into this episode, um, we have uh, an important announcement uh, and also opportunity. I'm going to call it an announced opportunity. Oh. Okay. Uh, so, uh, regular listeners, uh, know that a friend of the show and frequent guest Jennifer, AKA comics will break your heart on Instagram and the video streams, um, uh, has been, uh, battling a serious aggressive form of cancer. Um, when she was diagnosed several months ago, she has been in treatment for that. Um, we launched a GoFundMe for her in September that many of you have contributed generously towards. Thank you so much for that. Uh, the URL for that GoFundMe is bit.ly keep Jen reading. That's Jen with one N, all lowercase. Um, but, you know, fighting something like this, even if you've got decent health insurance, uh, is super expensive in this country. Um, so we are going to offer up a few things that we've never done before on the show uh, in order to raise a few extra bucks for her. Ooh. So here we go. Uh, number one, if you make a $100 contribution to her GoFundMe at bit.ly keep Jen reading, we will share a message from you on the show. It can be a personal message. It can be a promotional message. It can basically be anything that doesn't violate state or federal laws or, you know, get us in trouble with our families or spouses or things. Um, number two, if you make a $250 contribution to her GoFundMe at bit.ly slash keepgenreading, we will record an episode on just about any comics-related subject uh, as one of our free-form ep episodes that we record after a Monster by the Month episode. We are only going to offer two of these. Um, we'll work with you if the topic you suggest is something that we don't think we can do a good job of <laughs> um, or something that we don't have enough to say to get an episode out of. Uh, and number three, this is the big one. Uh, if you make a $500 co contribution to her GoFundMe, at bit.ly slash keepgenreading, you can join us as our guest for an upcoming episode. Uh, we have had several folks write in over the years and say they'd love to be on the show. Well, this is your chance. Uh, we're going to offer only one of these, uh, and you will get your your choice of just about any upcoming episodes, um, except for the handful that we do have uh, some guests that we've already booked. Uh, so... Um, that's pretty much it. Um, make a generous contribution at bit.ly slash keepgenreading. Uh, send us a screenshot of your receipt to marvelbythemonth at gmail.com. And that's all it takes. So I got to scrounge up 500 bucks and then just alpha fly it all the time. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, with that business out of the way, um, let us get into this week's episode, Rob. Um, I gotta come clean uh, and admit this should technically be the April 1974 episode, because uh, that's when the last issues of the storyline hit the stands. Um, this is a story, though, that has been unfolding since December of 1972, mm -hmm. um, and we just could not wait any longer. Um, plus, there is another big story that we're going to cover for the April 74 episode. Um, we wanted each of them to get their own episodes. Um, this is the third major Marvel Comics epic, The Thanos War. It comes mostly from the mind and pen of Jim Starlin. 
Uh, and when it comes to Jim Starlin epics, there's really only one guest who we even considered calling on. <laughs> uh, he's one third of the hosts of the world's greatest podcast, The Flop House, as well as an Emmy Award winning TV writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Mystery Science Year 3000, and The Who Was Show. Uh, he's also the comics writer behind Maniac of New York and Spider Man and the X Men. Elliot Kalen, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so super excited. I'm so I'm so both proud and humbled to be your Jim Starlin of the '70s correspondent. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a I, it's I, the only thing that could possibly top it is as I've told you many times behind the scenes when you get to the late '80s and you need a Venom correspondent and then <laughs> and then bring me in. But I'm happy to cover any Jim Starlin cosmic psychedelic uh, zaniness. Until yeah. then, well, Sweet. I mean, you, your audition tape was was pretty impressive. I mean, you literally <laughs> did do an entire Flophouse episode about Adam Warlock, did you not? <laughs> I did. Well, because he's my he's my second favorite Marvel hero after mm-hmm. Spider Man. Who is because of Spider Man's the greatest character in fiction. So yep. that mm-hmm. goes without saying. But uh, Adam Warlock, specifically under Starlin's guidance, since it's a, I, I think I talked about this. You had me on uh, a, a long while back when him. The yes. first incarnation of Adam Warlock had his first appearance, and I was saying how Jim Starlin took a character that he dot, did not create and impressed his own personality and interests into it so strongly, uh, and his own idealized version of, I guess, the kind of super-powered hippie seeker, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that it it's, it's such a uh, vital part of that character, and it makes me feel like the people who were working on the character up till that point must have known that Jim Starlin was going to come in and do something with it, because otherwise, <laughs> why bother? Why, right, right. you know, up to that point, he's not he's not the most fascinating character, and I think we'll see that here in these issues because Captain Marvel is like Jim Starlin's kind of like prototype run before he gets his hands on Warlock, and it's very interesting to see how this character compares in terms of working like the Warlock work and not quite achieving what yeah. the warlock work is able to achieve. So I'm excited to... Um, the, look, he knew he wanted to deal with a character who was a cosmic hero with long hair. He knew that hero would have to be blonde, which is why he made a point of changing Captain Marvel's hair color <laughs> in one of these issues. But we'll, it'll be interesting to talk about that. I can't, Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, would you say you're generally a Jim Starlin fan, or is it like specifically like the, the Captain Marvel warlock type stuff? Um, like, did you, were you a fan of like his Dreadstar stuff or, or anything like that? Um, I'm generally a fan of Jim Starlin. The thing is, Dreadstar is a, is a huge gaping abyss in my Jim Starlin knowledge. Oh, okay. Purely because growing up, it was very easy for me to get a hold of you know, the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, the stuff he was doing for Marvel in the in the 90s. Yeah. And from there I was, and I fell in love with Adam Warlock through that and through like the Warlock Chronicles and uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch. And the, and it was a little bit easier to get eventually get uh, reprintings of those. And Dreadstar was just not one of those books that was ever around, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've read some of Jim Starlin's much more modern stuff, but I've st- Dreadstar is this huge kind of like, um, it feels, it's like there's a, um, there's like movie directors that I love, and yet I'll somehow not have seen one of their movies that's a pretty big movie for them, and I'll just never get around to it. Right. Uh, but it's been, I literally was earlier today on eBay seeing if I could pick up cheap, like a big lot of Dreadstar comics, because this was <laughs> made me think about it. But those books are, they, they, the, reprint, the reprints are expensive, you know, and stuff. And there's like, you have to get like the Metamorphos Odyssey and things like that. Like it's anything mm-hmm. that is, is printed through multiple publishers over a yeah. long period of time. I feel like, I used a lot of my 
a lot of my juice for finding those things I used up on Madman and Nexus years ago. So mm-hmm. it's now now Dreadstar is the next one, I guess. But it's but I'm not super familiar with it at all. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. So it, thanks for undermining my Starlin uh, bona fides. <laughs> right, <laughs> right off out. the bat. Yeah. Yeah, right off the bat. Cut the legs out from under you. It's, you're well, you're like, oh, interesting. Let's start off uh, simple. Uh, now, you say you're a big Jim Starlin fan. Are you familiar with Dreadstar? Uh, the book he maybe worked on longer than any other? No, I'm <laughs> not. His passion project that is nearer and dearer to him than anything else he's <laughs> anything ever done? Else? <laughs> Once maybe this episode tell, airs. I, I, I managed they, to. Oh, sorry. What, sorry. What did you say? I was going to say, once this episode airs, they will certainly collect all of Dreadstar. Somebody will get by all the rights. There will be an omnibus. It'll be out immediately now that you've gone through the gauntlet of trying of to trying to get these. Well, so, there isn't. The thing is, they, they put out an omnibus, like three volume edition, and it's yeah. just expensive. It's just more yeah. than I can pay after being on strike for almost five months. So, <laughs> right, I'm like, right, yeah. so I'm like, oh, I wish I could pick it up. But uh, it's like. You know, you're you're there at you'll you're it's it's about you know at two hundred dollars at least you know for one of those yeah. sets and uh, well, and but, there was they they solicited uh, a, a new printing of at least the first volume during the pan like during the lockdown um, and it never happened. I yeah. assume there was some kind of supply chain thing or something. You know, it never got printed. Um, I didn't even. I was thinking about ordering that, and I was had flashbacks to when I pre-ordered the first volume of Howard Chaikin's American Flag yeah. hardcover library yep. and it took years for that yes. to come out and i don't think I, volume I two was ever released yeah no you're right yeah so yeah it's i mean i think you're right it, it's it's the multiple publisher thing um i think a lot of dreadstar was i think published by first comics and that's a mm-hmm. whole boondoggle so mm-hmm. it, yeah. and it was like it was like epic and and first and yeah. i'm not sure what else and the i don't know but i i managed to i got to meet jim starlin uh Last year, I think it was uh, oh, wow. at uh, at San Diego Comic Con because he had a book out through Aftershock, who do Maniac of New York, and, or, who I do Maniac of New York through. They don't do it; it's me. I'm the one who, who writes it. <laughs> and uh, and I met him, and it was very. I was very nervous, and he was like, "Hey, all right, nice to meet you, whatever." And uh, I was like, <laughs> "Now looking back, I'm like, he could tell I hadn't read Dreadstar. That's what it was. He knew I wasn't, a, <laughs> I wasn't a true fan." Oh man. Well, um, so. Uh, Talking about the story that we're going to talk about, uh, the Thanos War. So, um, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, this is basically the third big Marvel epic um, after the Kree Scroll War and the Avengers Defenders War. Something that kind of struck me as I was reading this, and, and, you know, as we've been sort of reading all of Marvel Comics in context, is like, I feel like this one doesn't really get the love that those other two get, where they're kind of held up as these big flagship events. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Thanos War doesn't... It's not mentioned in the same breath as those two, whereas I think it is at least as as ambitious in scope as either of those is, and in some ways a lot stranger and more fun. Um, I would I would agree with you. I mean, the Avengers Defenders War is such a, is such a silly, goofy story, mm-hmm. uh, and the Kree-Skrull War is a, is a weird... It's similar to this one in that it, it feels like they hadn't fully figured out how an event story is fully structured and so it's almost like a regular series of one-off stories kind of grows over time into a big epic which is kind of neat but when you read the kree scroll war it's like where does it where do i start like which one do i have to start with because this is the official start but it's not really that connected with the rest of them but i think it's because the i think it's i think honestly uh, what you're saying is is true and makes a point and i think it's because it's a captain marvel story and Mm. captain marvel is for all, he's another one of these characters 
you know, and you got to give Jim Starlin credit for making these characters, you know, what they are. Where he's one of these characters where, if not for the death of Captain Marvel, the graphic novel, I think he would be one of the. He wouldn't be looked on even as like a, a major Marvel character in any sense. He would be mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm trying to think who the other who the other kind of like. Uh, he, he's not like Wood God. He's not that low down where he barely <laughs> exists, but. <laughs> At the level of like, a, who's it, who would you say is like a Marvel character who had like had a series for a while, but was never a huge hit, and like is not considered like a top character? Is there anyone I mean, like that? I would say like I'm trying to think of one that I hasn't mean, been made into a major motion picture. Yeah, franchise. I think until recently, yeah. I would say like Moon Knight. You know, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. like in the, in or that Guardians book. of the Galaxy. Yeah, or, Guardians you know, of the Galaxy. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know or, what? I'll, I'll say Darkhawk. Dark, they haven't done anything with Darkhawk yet. And there I, you go. A character who's like beloved to some people, but is not, is in no way a, a major player or anything. And Captain Marvel, when you read these issues, he's a real blank slate. He's a yes. real, there's really a, not, not a lot going on between the ears. And, oh, yeah. And so I think that's what hurts it a little bit. And also because, uh, I don't know, when we talk about Avengers 125, we'll get to this, how, how strange that book feels, because it really does feel like the Avengers have an entire issue of their own title where they're in the margins of another book's story. Yes. But <laughs> yep. if, it was, if this same story had been like a Fantastic Four story, I think yep. it would be up in those, in that, or even an Avengers mainline title story. Mm-hmm. I, think you're, I think you're right that people would mention it in the same kind of breath as those, because yep. Thanos is such an indelible character, and this is like the first time we really see him at full full force i feel mm-hmm. like and there's so much about him that gets built here and uh there's so many kind of fun twists and turns and the way that jim starlin kind of builds on the previous generations of marvel stuff like there, this is um i'm excited to get into this in detail if we can <laughs> later about how mm-hmm. he is so so uh clearly building on kind of the steve ditko and jack kirby Mm-hmm. essences and throwing in like Starenko elements into it and things like that. Like it's very, there's a line in, um, in issue 26 where Thanos says precedents are of no consequence youngster. And it's very funny to me because in a way Starlin is saying we can do whatever we want in this book. Like this book is going to get weird, but it's also <laughs> not true because that, because the precedent of Ditko's design and Kirby's, you know, wide scale imagination and things like that, like are so, it feels so much like Starlin is, becoming the next generational development of that in an exciting yeah, way. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels yes. like such a Marvel book. And, and then the only thing that doesn't make it that way is ironically Captain Marvel, who always felt like the most <laughs> DC Marvel character to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. 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 I mean, they made, they took so many cracks at making this character work and this is the latest attempt at it. And yeah. And I think this is where it gets interesting. I mean, yeah. he, the, the first two are even somehow, more blank they're <laughs> void of character yeah devoid of character they yeah. uh uh yeah the only interesting thing in some of those early uh captain marvel books are the supporting cast and yeah. not yeah. not not rick jones uh <laughs> well we'll talk about rick jones we'll talk about, we have so much to talk about uh well i i'm really looking forward to in uh to digging into this one with you guys uh first let's take a, a quick little journey into history uh and talk about some of the historical events that took place in march of 1974 oh good i was worried uh, i missed this i'm glad i'm gonna get oh, to hear no. good yeah, yeah rob and would you be so good as to kick us off sure on the first of march 1974 seven former high-ranking aides to u.s president richard milhouse nixon were indicted by a federal grand jury in washington the grand jury declined to name any persons believed to be connected but not indicted issuing the list as a secret report for federal judges consideration 
President Nixon himself would later be identified as one of the persons named by the grand jury as an unindicted co-conspirator. Seems like every 50 years we just get that unindicted <laughs> co-conspirator like pops up uh, in the news a lot. It's the wheel. Yep. This, you know, I'm going to announce now, if I run for president, maybe I will someday, I, gar- I promise you, the American people, I will be an indicted co-conspirator. <laughs> I'll break that Thank barrier. You. We'll get past it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. On the uh, the 2nd of March, uh, U.S. Army soldier specialist William A. Thompson Jr. stole a 50-ton M60 tank from the Turner Barracks in West Berlin and drove it through the Checkpoint Charlie border crossing and into communist East Berlin. He then caused chaos over the next 70 minutes, swiveling the turret and its 105-millimeter cannon toward East German and Soviet troops. Thompson drove to the Druitz checkpoint on the East Berlin side where Russians permitted his commanding officer captain thomas grace and two other people to cross the border to persuade thompson to surrender another soldier then drove the m60 tank back to west germany and thompson was led back across the border in handcuffs wow yeah that's a real bad day on the job yeah um on the 4th of march march the 4th Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) israel completed the first phase of its withdrawal from the sinai peninsula pulling back eight miles to the great bitter lake and giving Egypt control of both sides of the Suez Canal for the first time since the Six-Day War in June of 1967. After Israel turned the territory over to the United Nations Emergency Force 24 hours ahead of schedule, Egyptian troops moved in at 6 a.m. local time. And two weeks later, on March 18th, uh, the Organization of Arab Petroleum Exporting Countries made up of Middle Eastern members of OPEC, formally ended the oil embargo declared by its members on October 17, 1973. Wow. On the 19th of March, Republican U.S. Senator James L. Buckley became the first conservative Republican in Congress to call for the resignation of U.S. President Richard Milhouse Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so broke the line. Yep, yep. Uh, on the 20th of March, in London, an attempt was made to kidnap Princess Anne, daughter of Queen Elizabeth II. Ian Ball, later found by a court to be insane, drove his Ford Escort into the path of an automobile, bringing Anne and her husband Mark Phillips back to Buckingham Palace after a charity event. Ball began firing a pistol and shot Anne's bodyguard Jim Beaton, chauffeur Alex Callender, and tabloid reporter Brian McConnell and police constable Michael Hills. A passing pedestrian, former boxer Ron Russell, punched Ball and led Anne to safety. Oh. Yeah. Uh, on the 23rd, the Wall of Sound, the, the largest concert sound system up to that time, made its debut at the Grateful Dead's concert at the Cow Palace near San Francisco. Designed by the band's sound engineer, Owsley Stanley, the Wall of Sound was composed of 604 total speakers with a combined 26,400 watts of power. (laughs) Owsley Stanley (laughs) sounds like a Marvel character. (laughs) Like a villain. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) My Wall of Sound will pulverize you. Uh, and finally, on the that's 29th, a good Daredevil villain. I'm just saying that's a good yeah. Daredevil yeah, villain. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Messes with his radar sense. Can't, his hearing's too sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, and he's in uh, San Francisco, where Daredevil's hanging out these days. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Perfect. Yep. Uh, and then on the 29th of March, a U.S. federal grand jury in Cleveland indicted eight members of the Ohio National Guard on civil rights violations for the May 4th, 1970 shooting of 13 students at Kent State University, four of whom died of their wounds. Five of the defendants were charged with felonies. Seems like justice is about to be done. 
the indictments will all be dismissed on November 8th uh, on a finding that the prosecution had failed to produce sufficient evidence to support charges. Wow, so. I wonder what sufficient evidence would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't uh. quite understand that one. Um, hey, Rob, uh, why don't you lighten the mood? Tell us what was going on in the comics industry. <laughs> okay, uh, friend of the show, Steve. You know, Bissette. you know what's a cheery place where things always work out? The comics industry. <laughs> the comics industry. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I just immediately run through. Well, uh, four comics writers went into AA. Four artists died. No. Um, <laughs> Now, a friend of the show, Steve Bissett, turned 19 years old on March 14th. Uh, comics artist Ed McGinnis, who, ha- who has worked on books such as Superman, Superman, Batman, Deadpool, and Hulk, was born on March 1st. Marvel bullpenners who celebrated birthdays this month included Dan Adkins, who turned 37 on March 15th, Mike Friedrich, who turned 25 on March 27th, and Val Mayrick, who turned 24 on March 29th. 151 comics were published on March of in March of 1974, 22 more than in February. Our top five publishers in terms of volume were tied for fifth place, Charlton and Harvey Comics, with 12 issues each. Archie Comics came in fourth with 15 issues published. DC Comics fell to third place, publishing 25 issues. Gold Key took the second place spot, sending 26 issues to the newsstands. And that means that uh, Marvel Comics once again took the top spot, releasing 43 individual issues in the U.S. New series that started in March of 1974 included Doctor Strange, The Haunt of Horror Black and White Magazine, and Giant-Sized Chillers featuring Curse of Dracula. Uh, So that's what the month looked like in the comics world and beyond. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll get into the Marvel Comics of March 1974 right here on Marvel by the Month. everyone thanks for listening to this episode of marvel by the month we are talking about a truly epic 1970s marvel storyline the thanos war which ran for 10 issues over the course of 17 months in order to keep this version of the episode to a manageable length uh, we've cut out some of our conversation uh but don't worry you can hear the complete episode and many many more by becoming a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash marvel by the month. It's only four bucks a month and it's definitely worth it. We have more than 100 bonus episodes on our Patreon bonus feed. Most of them are extended versions of our main episodes for the month, which feature deeper dives into more comics and longer conversations with some of our favorite guests. And some of those are omnibus episodes where we talk about the rest of the issues that came out that month. And those episodes are just bonkers. Uh, We usually have to cover somewhere between 12 and 16 issues. Uh, We really only have time to get into about half a dozen in detail. uh, And that means we cover the rest of them in our Marvel by the Minute format, where we give ourselves 60 seconds to talk about each issue. It's probably very unhealthy for us. But it's as close as you can get to an adrenaline rush talking about old comics into microphones. Yes. And your support helps us continue talking about old comics into microphones. So, if you like what we do, please help us to keep doing it. Head to patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth, become a Patreon supporter today. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month, where we are talking about the Thanos War. Um, We are going to pick up with Captain Marvel number 28, uh, When Titans Collide. 
Uh, this one was written by Jim Starlin and Mike Friedrich, art by Jim Starlin and Dan Green, letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Jim Starlin. And this is the this is the issue that is Jim, was Jim Starlin's function part of it functioned as Jim Starlin's test to see if he could be a scripter at Marvel. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yes. And that's so it's exciting. It's it, in the credits. It's Jim Starlin script chapter three. Mike Friedrich script chapters one and uh, script chapter two. I, I can't yes. read Roman numerals. Uh, Mike Friedrich script uh, <laughs> chapters one and three. So and it's very. With that in mind, it was kind of fun to read it and see how different that chapter feels from from the other yeah. parts of the book. And I also just want to say was, this first splash page. It looks like Thanos was drawn by Mark Bagley. Impossible. They, no, it's not. No, it wasn't. But it looks a lot like a style. Just very strange. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, we, we've had a few issues of Prologue. It's some pretty traditional superhero type stuff. Um, but this is really where the Thanos War uh, starts to heat up. Um, so, uh, Rick Jones, uh, as we saw previously, has been teleported to Avengers Mansion. His girlfriend, Luann, is near death, uh, thanks to a slave disc that has been attached to her by an ally of Thanos, who we can't possibly imagine who it is. <laughs> Very mysterious. Very mysterious. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this thing is sapping her free Probably will. the melter. That's what I'm guessing. Probably the yeah. melter. Yes, it's always the melter. Um, uh, as Rick is recapping recent events for the Avengers, Marvel gets a glimpse of some monstrous cosmic creature. Uh, Rick changes into Marvel, um, who... Uh, I guess the Scarlet Witch just had a spare costume for him lying around, which is good of her, but also <laughs> it's an interesting hobby. I think um, the Avengers have just kind of like a lending costume library where they keep up to date <laughs> uniforms for everyone who might stop by. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe after the Kree Scroll War, they were like, we should add him to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 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 Rick uh, Rick changes to Marvel. He tells the Avengers about Thanos' plan to seize the cosmic cube and conquer first earth and then the galaxy. Um, and as Marvel is talking with the Avengers, a mysterious shadowy figure with suspiciously Thanos like shoulder pads mm-hmm. <laughs> is picking off the Avengers one by one. So maybe this was the reason they were keeping it kind of under a little bit of misdirection like, yeah. from like a silhouette profile. It does seem like maybe this is thanos you know it it does look like thanos a lot from the profile but it is or from the silhouette but it is very it's very strange to have it to be teasing that it's thanos and then the actual yeah. reveal is such an anticlimactic character <laughs> yeah. it just feels like they're doing everything backwards yeah and it's yeah. just like constantly controlling their brain slave discs right you know mind control who could it be <laughs> yeah Although, I mean, maybe the logic was the controller has been featured a lot more, so maybe they thought it was a bigger deal to have the controller be the yeah, reveal. Yeah, more of a reveal. As, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's because you think if you're doing this story now, you'd have the controller, you'd build up the controller as a more surprising menace than you thought. And then you'd right. have, you'd think it was him, and you'd be like, the controller is single handedly taking on the Avengers? This is amazing. And then you'd reveal it's Thanos, and you go, ah, it was Thanos the whole time. But you're right. At this point, the controller is a better known character or in theory yeah yeah so maybe they did feel like that was the the bigger reveal yeah it's it's funny though it's really strange in retrospect it, it, it's a it reminds me of uh on the flop house my uh my bad movie podcast we recently did uh a, a broadcast online part of our flop tv series of a video broadcast for the movie cool world and yes ralph actually really wanted brad pitt to be the star and the studio this was in the early 90s the studio said brad pitt is not a big enough name you need Gabriel Byrne as the star of this movie, and just there was a, there was a time when Gabriel Byrne was considered more of a box office draw than Brad Pitt. Yeah. and I guess at this time they were like the controller is uh, the controller is a known quantity. Like let's we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna give him the build up. 
Thanos right, is yeah. an unknown. Right. The controllers fought Iron Man like three times. Like he's <laughs> yeah. the star of this show. Um, well, not after this story. Um, so, uh, yeah. So they, this, this mysterious shadowy figure uh, is picking off the Avengers. Uh, first, he gets Black Panther, then Vision, then the Scarlet Witch, then Cap, and finally Iron Man. Um, and at the end of the first chapter of the story, the, vi- the villain is revealed. It's the controller. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. The controller. The controller. Yep. A character um, who has never quite made sense to me in terms of his design and his ability. Yeah, because he so he has these little slave discs that he puts on people, and then for each person he captures with it, I mean he gets to control their will, but also he gets their strength. Yes, somehow. some kind of control points. Right. So yeah. he's like, yeah. if he gets enough people, he's kind of building himself into a mangog where yes. he'll have the strength of a billion billions at some point. You know. Right. But he's always like. Just his his visual, he's such this hulking character, and the idea that he's a scientist, but also his face is always, is like really is scarred up or made out of segments. Yeah. It's and his teeth are hideous, like he has yeah. terrible yeah. teeth, and it mm-hmm. I just he's always seemed very strange to me as a, as a character. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's odd to make somebody so hulking when they're they're you know they're basically a. A hypnotist, right? Yeah, right. yeah, a, yeah. A it's science like it's, if the ringmaster of the circus of crime was also the strong man, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> <laughs> right? It just doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, he's been the controller's been used in interesting ways. Like I think when he first showed up, Archie Goodwin came up with him, and he was you know coming off of you know, writing horror stories for Warren, so he does this sort of like I mean, he's basically telling a zombie story, but he can't tell a zombie story because of the comics code. So uh, it does wind up being this like really creepy borderline horror story mm-hmm. um so you know this kind of like but again it's weird to have him like stealthily taking out you know each of the avengers one by one so the yeah the fact that he just did that yeah uh, is impossible for any other appearance of the control right like, yes yeah he's At- not going to beat up captain america alone no yeah. you know let yeah as i put in my notes really hard to believe the controller could take out the whole avengers and then after that i wrote why didn't he put discs on them <laughs> yeah <laughs> See, the he knocked them out <laughs> yeah it's you know you it's like dance with what brung you like come on <laughs> man uh anyway that's chapter one chapter two uh, begins with the, the Destroyer confronting Thanos and his mysterious robed companion, whom Thanos intros, introduces as Death. Um, so now we get that reveal. Um, and uh, then Drax and Thanos battle it out in a very trippy time-mind sync warp. Oh, the best. This is amazing. Yeah. Time-mind sync warp. And this is... Yeah. He announces this as if it's something we should know what it is, and we should yes. be afraid of it already. And... You get multiple pages of just really kind of surreal, trippy art of their bodies being, uh, they're, they're fighting each other. Uh, there's a moment of change, then reality becomes a thing of the past, as it says. And literally, it's like Thanos has created this world where of, of mental and physical reality for them to inhabit, yep. where nothing is the same from one moment to the next and their bodies are being changed. There's multiple Thanoses. There's no gravity. Uh, he smashes a stone Thanos, which doesn't stop yeah. them. Drax is eaten by a giant Thanos's mouth. And <laughs> uh, it's so I mean, amazing. They're, they're having an acid fight basically. Yes. Yeah. That's and what it is. And, yeah. and that's a big signal that we're in chapter two <laughs> plotted by Jim Starlin. Oh yeah. Too. And yeah scripted scripted by, by Jim Starlin, known, known drug user. 
Jim Starlin. <laughs> and and some of the writing is there's there's a line in here where he goes uh, he says first be assaulted by fists of shattered illusions and broken promises and I'm like you're trying too hard like it's still <laughs> but it all leads up to maybe the it's, trippiest page in all of Marvel Comics uh, when uh, when Drax and Thanos enter the final stage of the of the time sync mind warp and a time mind sync warp i can never remember the order where it is an almost entirely wordless page where drax says at the top i will be free and then it is his him his face being stretched out of out of shape and then uh three panels of an eye in space getting farther away three panels of a giant hand in space crushing a planet and then just images of random characters from the from the storyline there's a there's kind of some kind of alien lizard insect that's crawling out of a hole at the top of a set of panels and then crawling into that hole at the bottom of the set of panels and you see yeah. li- little glimpses of the destroyer's origin and it's all in one page and there's a half a badoon face for some reason iron man's on there it's just kind of like Dra- thanos is making drax relive like basically any issues that Thanos or Drax have have been in and it ends yep. with Thanos's face at the bottom distorted out of proportion and then becoming his own and I feel like oh, I love this page it's super tr- I've loved it since mm-hmm. I was a kid I first saw this page out of continuity just as yeah. as an example I think in a book about Marvel and it was like Jim Starlin pushed the boundary of comics language or something like that and <laughs> but it, I feel like it is such an amazing visual way of telling the story of uh they're literally their concepts of reality coming into conflict with each other and Thanos establishing that he is a stronger willed, strong, more, more mentally powerful and more um, just more confident and more sure of himself and more secure in his understanding of reality than Drax is. And it's just really well. To, and it, I, the only the thing I'm so glad that um, it doesn't have this, but it feels like the only thing it's missing is one of those Stanley boxes where it's like sometimes words just can't do justice. So why even try? <laughs> yeah. And it's this is they're 35 panels on this page on that's the page. other thing yeah this is it and doing all this this is like a way more like a ditko or dr strange like where you're just seeing yeah. reality bend constantly yeah and uh and and but it's still the story is you start in the upper left with drax as drax's mind is drawn through this thing and then it coalesces into the bottom right where thanos is so yeah. you still can tell this is a this is like a maze that your mind is is walking through this path and you're you're arriving at these two um, contending figures. It's just so good. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like he is. I mean, you're exactly right that it's so Doctor Strange Ditko and even has like that big fanged mouth in space that Ditko would draw. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. it, it feels like he is one of the – it's like a lot of artists like kind of – copy the style of another artist. Like you were talking about Barry Smith. He started out as a Kirby clone. And here Starlin yeah. is not copying Ditko's style. But he's copying Ditko's. He's taking Ditko's language. He's taking the building blocks yes. of of iconography mm-hmm. that Ditko has invented for Doctor Strange, and is speaking in that language and saying a new thing with it. And I think that's there's something so amazing to me about that. That like there's such a, I feel like a deeper understanding of the stories that came before him that he's playing yeah. on by doing that. I'm it, it's a page that really. I mean, when I was young and I saw it, I was like, whoa, what? But but yeah, yeah. Reading it and really reading it as a page of story. I find it so impressive in the way it's 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 digesting and processing and reconfiguring this grammar of, of Marvel comics toward in, yeah, a, in a way that yeah. where Starlin's saying something that's important to him. Yeah, I also think it's it's really interesting because I I feel like a great great number of artists clearly wear their Kirby influence on their sleeves, but you really don't get 
a lot of creators who do the same for Ditko. Yeah. You know, like it, it's he's just he's a, I think he's a challenging artist to emulate in a lot of ways. But I think Starlin really is in a lot of ways kind of the heir apparent to Ditko. I mean, obviously having a strong Kirby influence, too. But I mean, just the fact that it, like so much of his plots are so philosophical, you know, yes. Like, very much like very very Ditko influence um and then you know to do this very you know surrealistic you know and sometimes just kind of paranoid abstract uh you know layout is just it's it's phenomenal like um I think it's it's very cool uh, I think it's one of the things that makes Starlin a really interesting creator um, yeah I feel like we've already seen him do like it's like he's doing the best cover song like he's do he just did he did Starenko yeah then he did some with a little Kirby mix and then he's <laughs> blending those together and you know bringing in some Ditko or plenty of Ditko now yep. yeah so he really is he's paying you know homage but he's he's doing it in his own way and it all works in one vibe and it increasingly works yeah as he it's, as we go through the story it's, it's it's so funny how starting this is the with the, the fourth issue of this run that we're reading. And it's amazing yep. how much he has developed with each issue, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. as a storyteller. And now when he finally gets a chance to write, it's like, oh, he's ready to to do that scripting. But yeah, Brian, that's a, it's a very good point that like the Kirby influence is in there, but you see it's in such a bigger way in other artists. Whereas yep. here it feels like, and I think you're right that like Ditko's interests, I don't know if he and Sarlin came to the same conclusions necessarily. Well, they no, might have, so. but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not totally politically, but they're both kind of like go it alone type guys, you know. Sure, but mm-hmm. that, I see that. Yeah, but his interest is very much, and he and it is so much stronger in his warlock stories. What is the individual's role in society? How does the even individual keep himself an individual while still fulfilling his responsibilities to society and not being sucked into it? And that's Ditko stuff. Like that's what Ditko's yeah. Spider Man is all about, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's. Uh... Yeah, it, it, and Starlin, is, he's such a student of specifically Marvel Comics, especially at this point in his career, where he's making so many references to, you know, the creators who've come before him and, you know, just pulling random characters out um, and, you know, making use of them and recontextualizing them. Um, it's just, it's great to see. I mean, especially if you are doing the kind of thing that we're doing or if you, you know, at the time, if you had been a longtime Marvel reader, like this must have been just an absolute joy you know it's like oh my gosh he's just like he's tickling every little impulse in my fan mm-hmm. brain you know <laughs> like uh it's yeah it's very cool yeah. um which it's is like why accidental it's, fan service yeah. yeah 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 well it's like fan, it's fan service the way, like in the way of like i'm the creator i'm a fan and so i'm yeah. serving my own excitement about this and you as a fan yes. are excited because you're right it's it's the different it's the i feel like it's the difference between seeing a quentin tarantino movie where he's he makes a reference to a movie and he's like you've seen this movie too right isn't it cool as opposed yeah. to uh the movie babylon which rips off a bunch of other movies and it's like <laughs> uh the director is like uh nobody saw boogie nights right so you don't know that i'm <laughs> like nobody knows i'm ripping off this scene from boogie nights right whereas someone like tarantino is like this is our shared cultural memory and i'm gonna yeah. play off of it and i know you know it and if and if even if you don't know it you get the sense he's he's kind of doing something new with it or welcoming you into it or that yeah mm-hmm. the uh which is all the stranger that said since he's he's such a marvel creator that he's mm-hmm. working with captain marvel the least 
Marvel like Captain like I feel like Captain Marvel his the way he works best is in the background of a Crisis on Infinite Earths group shot where he's just kind of like a guy floating in space getting ready to fight the Anti Monitor and it's like who's that oh that's Captain Marvel he was he was he was a seventies tryout character you know he was in first issue special or whatever really small in the background yeah, yeah you can see him he's got these bands it's yeah. cool yeah yep. it's great whereas the Captain Marvel that DC does have feels so much more like a Marvel character to me because he's I like, know. he's got like a character. He's got like personality, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they could just trade. I don't know. That'd be a great swap. That'd be a good swap. Yeah. yeah. And you know, DC, you can take the century too. That's fine. I mean, that was an experiment. <laughs> experiment. I don't know how it worked out, you know? Yeah, we tried. We did our best. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, at the, at the end of this amazing sequence, uh, it just all pays off. Thanos gets the, the cosmic cube. Um, that's where all this was leading. So, uh, and then we come back to boring old reality with chapter three. Yeah. It just feels like a, a Neil Adams page or something like yeah. the next page. You're just like, Oh, we're back to normal superhero fights. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, the controller, he's, he's trying to slap a, a slave disc on Marvel, but cause he's two people in one body, it doesn't work. Um, so the controller brings the mansion down around Marvell and, and leaves with Luann. Um, so it's a, a second building now that has collapsed, um, mm-hmm. around someone. Um, but it's, uh, it's Rick who we see in the rubble, not Marvell. And he can't change back to Marvell. And that's because on the last page, oh wait, it's going to get weird again. Uh, <laughs> Marvell is confronted by the weird cosmic monster he saw earlier who tells him that he's the antidote to the threat of Thanos. But in order to ready that antidote, Marvel the soldier must die. And this is so. this is my meta read on that building coming down in this one is that is Starlin pulling down the previous expectations and the previous foundations of the book and when you get to that last page it's like Starlin is like yeah this is my book now. Like let's we're not we're not yeah. we're not just hanging out in Avengers Mansion anymore. We're, we're like we're going to go to outer space. It's going to be super trippy. There's going to be a weird eye brain creature with a superhero face on the side and ghost <laughs> arms that's going to tell you that you're going to die but I'm just talking about the part of I'm, I'm talking in psychological terms. We'll see. You'll see in the next issue. <laughs> yeah, and leaving just Rick Jones buried in dark rubble, like yeah. terrified. You him. don't see. Yeah, you don't see a lot of the. You know, uh, since maybe big heavy thing to right. kind of Spider-Man stuff. It's like you feel you feel like whoa. You don't usually see somebody in dire straits in sort of a normal human situation like that. Yeah. like yeah yeah i feel like jim starlin would be very happy to just leave rick there that like he just, yeah starlin that captain Marvel would come back and rick jones would be dead and he'd be like i'll avenge you my friend and then fly <laughs> off and that'd be it yep uh okay so let's get uh let's figure out what this giant brain thing is all about in <laughs> captain marvel number 29 uh the story's called metamorphosis uh written by jim starlin art by jim starlin and al milgram Letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Jim Starlin. So, with the exception of the inks and the letters, Jim Starlin did everything in this issue. And and Al and, Milgram is like Jim Starlin's best friend. So like they're, yes. they're they're very simpatico. So even that feels like I'm sure he was he was very confident telling him what I, what he wanted out of this. You know. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yep. Um. So uh, you know, right on the cover, it promises a big change, and it describes Marvel as the most cosmic superhero of all. Um. And uh, after a a page or two of recap, uh, we learn that the cosmic creature is named Eon, he who waits. Eon says that Marvel has been prevented from his true future by the Ravagers, the enemies of all men who strive to destroy men's dreams. 
they cannot be defeated single-handedly, and Marvel must change in order to prevail over them. Um, so again, like going right back to that like heavily philosophical, like Ditko-y style of storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, these are the, the metaphorical enemies that will drag you down. Yeah, um, you have to change yourself through introspection. Yes. Uh, to be able to to battle these things that are much greater than punching. Yeah. <laughs> it almost yeah. it feels like the it feels like Starlin just all he needs is a narration box that says like you understand this is a metaphor for human growth, right? Like, <laughs> this, like yeah. this these character he's going to be punching people but it means something now. Like that's not really that's not what I'm talking yeah. about, you know. That's that's the Stan Lee box we need. It's like, yeah. it's just a metaphor for human growth, true believer. <laughs> Could you believe it, folks? And he's punching people. He's really punching the things that all humans have to have to strive to get past emotionally, psychologically. Now let's he's see him do it in the, the mighty Marvel metaphysical metaphorical manner. <laughs> uh, and so uh, then um it pivots and now it gets like to very kirby style storytelling like a uh, very new godsy yeah sort of thing because uh, uh, eon tells the story of olympus during the time of the original titans um and so uh the the most uh dominant and violent of them was uh uranus and uh chronos defeated him chronos so chronos was the brother of uranus he, he defeated him and uh, shattered his own sword, renouncing war forever. Um, and then uh, he, you know, he started having kids right out of his head, right yeah. out of his head, um, <laughs> and uh, then proceeded to start conducting cosmic life force experiments. Uh, but that was not previously well known in the mythology, but yes, well, that, I was going to say that this this is like as close to the Greek myths as like Kirby's. Thor was to the Norsemen. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, since Kronos in the Greek myths was literally eating his children so that they couldn't <laughs> overthrow him. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's some, you know, some liberties taken here. You know, Asgard didn't have a lot of view screens either. But it's um, <laughs> a good you know, point. It's a very good point. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, uh, so so Kronos, uh, uh, who becomes this benevolent, peaceful. Uh, Oh God. wait! Oh, he, before we get into, sorry, before we get oh, yeah, to this, yeah. there's a but right, when this all this stuff starts, Eon is beaming it into Captain Marvel's mind, and that Captain Marvel looks so high, as he like he's just got this kind of goofy smile on his face, and his kind of yep. like his head's kind of tilted down a little bit, <laughs> and it's I feel like Starlin is is deliberately being like he's 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 tripping hard, you know. That's the, how you yeah, yeah. see yeah. the there's, past, you know. Yeah bubbles and stars and sort of floating confetti sort of <laughs> around his head like he's obviously <laughs> high as a kite yeah yep. it's like drooling nearly drooling yeah yes all he's missing uh, is like a little bit of drool and then him nodding his head and going dude <laughs> like <laughs> whoa uh yeah so so uh chronos this chronos instead of eating his kids uh, he becomes a benevolent scientist um he's uh, conducting cosmic life force experiments uh one of them winds up exploding uh, and it rocks olympus and it spreads his own life force across the entire galaxy making him one with the universe um and after this happens uh chronos's son zeus takes control of olympus and exiles uh his other son alars uh who settled on titan took a woman named Suisan as his wife and changed his name to Mentor. Mm-hmm. So that's where Mentor comes from. Um, but uh, Mentor's son Thanos destroys the peaceful world that Mentor worked to create. Um, so that is, that's the story of how we got to here, uh, as far as Titan's concerned. In Mentor's case, 
kids do ruin everything. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he should have eaten them. <laughs> and he's like, he now you eaten. tell. Now I should have been like, yeah. I didn't want to be my father. I didn't want the relationship he had with his kids where he ate them. But now. <laughs> should have ate that purple kid. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so then we get uh, a series of uh, quick interludes. Um, Thanos has the cosmic cube. He's holding Mentor and Eros prisoner. Drax regains consciousness and seeks out Marvell. Controller's about to plant a slave disc on Luan. Rick is still trapped in the rubble of Avengers Mansion. <laughs> um, and uh, Thanos realizes even the cosmic cube can't find where Marvell has gone. With a really cool uh, profile, like there's these three vertical yeah. uh, sort of. There's six, six panels. Uh, they're stacked vertically in threes, and then the the whole vertical side of this third column is just a Thanos face, just blue. Yeah, like uh, a blue line on yeah. just all blue line on white, and, and yeah. it looks. It feels so like cool. now that he's scripting, Starlin can do a lot more experimental stuff with the visuals and a lot of, a lot of cool like he he does cool layouts. I love the way he does panels and things like that. And the he's always kind of I feel like he's one of these comics artist who is a clear storyteller ironically because mm-hmm. so many of his concepts are very are very trippy but the, yeah. the visuals are clear but he's always trying to looking for a way to to inter- to make keep himself entertained and interested with how he can put a page together and yeah. i really love that me too yep um uh so we we get back to uh <clears throat> eon uh he's he resumes his tale he says that uh, chronos foresaw thanos is coming and his acquisition of the cosmic cube so he created Eon to wait for Captain Marvel and help him become the one who could defeat Thanos. And did he create him like eight million years ago? Is is that how long he's been waiting? It's something like that, right? Like some ridiculous amount of time. We created. Yeah, I'm trying wait, to find created which one? The Eon. Yeah, uh, Kronos created Eon. Yeah, Kronos, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been waiting. He's, he's been waiting yeah, billions of years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, eight billion light years ago. Oh, so uh, yeah, quite quite a bit. All yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Castle running twelve parsecs, huh? Okay, I was well, just gonna say, Starlin's yep. not perfect, you know. <laughs> yep, it's the only flaw in this story. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, Eon uh, goes on to disillusion Marvel's belief in the righteousness of war by revisiting his past, um, including his attempt to resurrect his lost love Una, which is like legitimately horrifying. Um, when he he's like, well, if you had actually succeeded in bringing her back to life, she wouldn't have had a soul. And she would have been like this mindless zombie creature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It um, doesn't help also that Eon is telling him some of this while taking the form of like a little daredevil head with legs and arms and a tail coming out of the head. It's so, yeah. what a weird choice. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the little Funko version of Eon is <laughs> even more frightening than the weird goopy one. Starlin yeah. loves drawing characters like that. He loves drawing little imps and goblins and demons and things like that. Like he's, he, I think there's a reason that Pip the troll is constantly coming back. I think it's probably yeah. because Starlin loves that character because he's like his version of the thing, you know, just kind of, yeah. you know, who always uh, undercuts things. But also because he's just like a little weird dude. <laughs> yeah. Starlin loves to draw these little weird dudes. Yep. Um... Uh, it, it, so finally, uh, after after showing Marvel all these things, uh, Marvel finally admits that he was wrong and he wants to change, and this is what Eon's been when waiting for. So uh, he transforms him into the all new Captain Marvel, who is blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, his hair has changed from white to blonde. Yep, it's kind of a reverse uh, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but then Eon's like. 
hey, you didn't have a mirror. How did you know your hair was blonde? Uh, and that's how uh, Captain Marvel uh, realizes that he is cosmically aware now, um, <laughs> which allows him to finally fight and defeat the Ravagers who have been holding him back. Um, and then he finally faces his own inner demon, which is literally his evil twin, which is another Starlin thing that he likes mm-hmm. to do, um, is have uh, have his characters confront their evil opposites um, or their dark reflections. Yeah, and that, that'll get its its greatest version with, with the Magus, Adam Warlock's villain, who is literally Adam Warlock from the future after he turned into a bad guy, which, yeah. Yeah, ugh, I love that character, when he's like, there's nothing you can do about it. You become me. I'm the bad guy. Like, like deal with it. You're me. <laughs> and it's, uh, what a great, what a, and Adam Warlock is like, so do I kill myself? Like, how do I stop this guy? I don't understand yeah. it. It's a, yeah. but he, the, it's funny because it feels like this is I was we were talking about Starlin is using is using Ditko kind of language and here he's doing that again but he's doing it towards a different end than Ditko would have used it for Ditko's philosophy is all about A is A black is you know black is black white is white and uh, Starlin's is all about uh, peace and kind of oneness with with the world around you and uh, mm-hmm. and dissolving those kinds of barriers and so it's very it's it's, it's interesting to me to see those kinds of um, those, that kind of graphic grammar being used in a way that I'm sure Ditko was like, hey, wait a minute. That's not... <laughs> this is... Everything's not gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, truth is truth. Um, so, uh, yeah, Marvel he, he defeats his evil twin. Um, Eon sends Marvel back. He changes place with Rick Jones and digs himself out of the rubble. Um, he can't really explain to Rick where he was or what happened. But it's gotten him thinking, and he says, perhaps that was all I needed. Um, which also sounds like someone trying to talk about an acid trip with someone who's never done acid before. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. It's just sort of like, I can't really explain it, but uh, it scrubbed my brain. Well, it's kind of like so. I, the, the barrier between me and the universe was dissolved, and I became a one with everything. All right. Well, I yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it feels like he is, you know, I, it's so hard for me to look at this issue and the ones that follow it without comparing them to the Adam Warlock work that Jim Starlin's going yeah. to do years later. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it feels like to me, Captain Marvel is a soldier who was dosed and had a moment of clarity about the universe. Yeah. And whereas he is a, he is a, he is a, a reluctant seeker. Whereas mm-hmm. Adam Warlock is very much an active seeker who kind of yeah. already has some of this base level understanding and is going beyond that. And so it's like, um, I wonder if in this issue, uh, if Starlin was feeling like he was bumping up against what Captain Marvel as a character is capable of understanding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I feel like this whole thing in a lot of ways is <clears throat> a pretty explicit first draft for things he would do later. Like, I mean, this is basically a dry run for the infinity gauntlet, yes. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, where, it, and I mean, I think it's kind of amazing that Starlin basically, you know, comes back to Marvel 20, 25 years later tells pretty much the same story <laughs> yeah. polished up and gets paid for it again. It's like, this is amazing. <laughs> what like, if there are multiple <laughs> cosmic cubes? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what if instead, yeah. yeah. What if instead of one cube, there are six gems and, uh, that's basically it. And, yeah. and the, and the, and the reason I think the infinity gauntlet, I mean, the infinity gauntlet is great. I feel it's him. He's refined yeah. that story and he, and he tells totally. it in a, in a, yeah. in a more coherent way. And he's got Adam Warlock, who's a more a deeper character, but, uh, the infinity gauntlet is, uh, it could have faced the same fate as this 
if it hadn't been put out as in terms of like you were saying not being seen as one of these epic stories if it hadn't been put out as its own series because originally yeah. it was just a story he was writing for silver surfer and yep. which he was writing at the time and his silver surfer run i love i think i mean silver surfer is an underrated book entirely the 80s and 90s silver surfer mm-hmm. book but the uh he was writing it for a silver surfer book and the editorial was like uh this is an awesome story like like this is too good a story <laughs> to just be in silver surfer and if i feel like the at that point it's like marvel was ready to handle a story like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. For sure. Besides Stan's ham-fisted versions of Silver Surfer, which was the sort of first Jesus-y seeker of, yes. of these characters. Right. But, uh, but just so... Uh, so shallow, <laughs> like shallowly portrayed. Well, because you feel yeah. Stanley is the, it's if, the version of the seeker written by someone who has never done drugs or and has not is in a milieu that has no people in it who have never done. Not to say that drug like drugs are amazing, kids do. I'm not saying that because I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a drug user myself. But I feel like there is right. a it's it's the version of it that's being done by a guy who is our grandparents' generation, you know, as yeah. opposed to a guy who is our parents' generation, where where people like society just had. Uh, had a more, you know, far out view of things by that point. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've yeah. incorporated, yeah, by that point, even if you hadn't done drugs in Jim Starlin's time, you know, the the idea of uh, Kung Fu, of Eastern, you know, mythology like, and some yeah, of mysticism, yeah. mysticism yeah. in general, yeah. you know, uh, it. I think all of that is what started to filter up even through Star Wars and, and other. Yeah, that's a good point. You know. That it's mm-hmm. and it's like uh, a, that it's Stanley is is trying to come up with a character who's asking why is man so mean to man why all this violence, but he's a guy who has a real stake in the establishment and the mainstream culture yeah. and mm-hmm. of of mid century America and Starlin mm-hmm. that's a good point is dealing in, is in this milieu where like Eastern culture has become much more known at least at least on the surface of it and um, he has he has much less of a stake I'm sure in the in the way that the United States of America operates and how the world operates. Right. He's not a, he's not a middle-aged man who has a family, you know, and, uh, yeah. the, the same way that, uh, I can feel myself now that I am a middle-aged man with a family, like being less radical in my thoughts than I was when I was in my twenties, oh, totally. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Those damn kids. It's those kids, they ruin everything. Just eat them up. Just that's the only solution. Especially if they're purple. If you got a purple kid, yeah, you got a purple chop kid them up. It's halfway yep. to yeah. a grape already. Just go ahead and eat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, let's let's proceed on to Captain Marvel number thirty, uh, and the story is called "To Be Free from Control," which I think Steve Ditko would appreciate. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, again written by Jim Starlin, art by Jim Starlin and Al Milgram, letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Jim Starlin. So. Uh, Iron Man has constructed a little gadget that's going to track the signal emitted by uh, the uh, controller's slave disks. Um, and uh, Marvel says, uh, thanks, I'll take it from here. And Iron Man, like, kind of, he's like, wait, you're just going to go off and do this by yourself? And, you know, this newly enlightened Captain Marvel is just like, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. You know, I, I, and, and Iron Man is like, he, he, like, as Iron Man is getting ready to take off, he's... He's like in awe of Captain Marvel, um, mm-hmm. which I think is just it, it's Iron Man was the first character that Starlin wrote. And that's where Thanos was introduced. And I think it's kind of a funny little passing the torch moment. It's like, oh, it's Captain Marvel is now the character that Jim Starlin is writing. And yeah, so you get a full 
diary entry of of Iron, of Tony Stark's thoughts yes. as Captain Marvel is leaving. With that, he, he is very different. He's he's calm and confident, and I I think maybe he can handle this, even though this guy just tore down Avengers Mansion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like I, I think I'm in awe of him. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, the controller <laughs> is getting off on having thousands of his slaves sing his praises. And we get to open just on a close up of his teeth, his gross <laughs> yeah, teeth, those gross, those gross teeth, just like gross, straight, gross. straight out of that, the, the big book of British smiles that the dentist shows Lisa <laughs> in the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, Thanos is really uh, annoyed by this. And I kind of like the juxtaposition of two different kinds of villainy. Um, you know, Thanos is, he's, you know, for all of his you know, evil, he's a, a very philosophical uh, villain. And uh, the controller is just, you know, he's your standard supervillain. Um, and he does what it, what his name is. Like, all he wants to do is control. That's his, that's yeah. his jam. That's yeah. his jam. Well, but also yep. that he wants to control, but then he's got control of these people. He has no imagination about what he's going to do with yeah. them. He just wants them to tell him how great he is. Whereas yeah, yeah. Thanos also has an ego, but he's so sure of how great he is that he's like, I think he's like mad at the lack of ambition that the controller shows. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I literally want to be control the universe by merging with it in all total in, to, in totality. He wants physically what Captain Marvel now has mentally and emotionally. You know, he wants to physically yeah. be the universe. And controller's like, mm, I got a hundred people here telling me I'm great. And it's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't really count because I'm making them tell me that, but it feels good in the moment. <laughs> Thanos is like, yeah. Ugh, come on, man. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's great. Aim um, higher. Yeah. yeah. It just makes, I mean, it makes me like Thanos even more like as a character. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what you're supposed to get out of that. Um, then uh, uh, Rick back at uh, Avengers Mansion, he gets a visit from his former manager, Mordecai P. Boggs, <laughs> who wants to make Rick into a teen idol again. So that means Rob's going to have to record probably another Rick Jones song in the <laughs> Boy, near future. I hope not. Uh, every time Rick Jones has performed a song in a comic that we've read, Rob has then written music for that and recorded it. So yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, your your it's, your Jones sense is tingling. Oh God, yeah. It's not a good use of any anyone's time, especially <laughs> mine. But I did it. Yep. So here we. And are. now you have to keep doing it because yep. you've set a precedent. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh, in some ways that's the story of the podcast in a nutshell. Although it is a good yeah. use of your time. It's a great podcast. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's like well. I mean, basically, none of us is going to be the first one to blink. So uh, we're <laughs> yep. just going to keep doing it until someone does. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, uh, we got uh, uh, Marvel using Iron Man's tracker. He flies to the controller's lair. Um, he takes out controller's thugs effortlessly um, and then tries to reason with the controller, which I, I think this is great. Like he just is basically trying to talk him and it's like, why Why do we got to fight? Like, why you got to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like. Very philosophically trying to engage him, um, the controller is having none of it, um, and so uh, Marvel tosses him out a window. Um, so he's, <laughs> he's he can do that too. Yep, yeah, he's like if you if you won't listen to me tell you about inner peace and truth that you are missing by trying to just uh, you know ac- accumulate wealth, then I'll, well I'll just throw you out the window. Yep. We can solve this problem that way. I mean, controller throws the first punch. Let's be let's be fair to Marvel, but uh, yep. but yeah, you can yeah. tell that Marvel's words are like getting to him a little bit. They're not going to change his oh, mind, yeah. but it does bother him. I think that he is not open to that option. You know that yeah. Marvel is at least making him realize how much he's trapped himself, even if he can't get out of that trap. But yeah, then they just mm-hmm. fight for a while. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the controller has been now like verbally beaten up by Marvel and Thanos. So he's <laughs> not having a great Two different day. ways. He's feeling pretty shallow if he's, I mean, what he can, you know, actually process. Right, yeah. right. Um, uh, so uh, Marvel finds Luann, but the controller shows up again with the power of over a thousand people. Um, but that's no match for the new cosmically aware Captain Marvel who uh, beats the tar out of him and like mostly uses martial arts style of fighting it's not the big like rear back kirby punch but it's a lot of like jump kicks and uh i mean it's just a very different style of fighting than we've seen which i think is meant to sort of reflect this kind of like new philosophical mysticism and again i think it's like informed by martial arts yeah, and totally. movies and and other things because starlin is doing master kung fu at this time yeah. too so it, yeah. yeah and it's there's even early like and earlier that before the fight even rick jones is like let's go and marvel's marvel's like well the way my powers work right now i'm at my strongest during the day so let's just get a good night's sleep and then i'll go after him in the morning and it's like yeah this is the smartest thing captain marvel has ever said i think like, <laughs> and it's just one of those funny things where it's like oh yeah that makes it like superheroes never do this they never say like hold on let me get back to strength and then i'll go after him on my terms and it's right it's the kind of thing that spider-man needs to do more often but he never does he always just runs yeah. off yeah yeah <laughs> like let me just take a leak before we get into this so i can actually think better and i'm not distracted by yeah. this right. whole yeah um and then so at the end of this fight just as the controller is about to fall thanos appears and says that the controller failed him so he must pay uh and then the controller seemingly dies in a flash of light um and again his last thoughts like the super scroll are regretting his decision to serve thanos mm -hmm. so there's that moment of enlightenment right before the end um marvel changes back to rick jones uh who finds uh luann free of the slave disc uh and the issue ends with the destroyer knocking on the front door of avengers mansion looking for iron man or captain marvel hilarious it is hilarious that the destroyer is knocking politely yes like especially because when i grew up it was i was used to the dumb destroyer the one from like the infinity right. gauntlet and stuff like that who is a bruiser and and the idea that the destroyer is like just that he's walking around in that outfit and he oh okay here's <laughs> avengers mansion and he knocks on the door and it's just very funny yeah. to me yep and that ja jarvis uh, goes yes can i oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh let's see uh, and thanos he's he's gotten tired of waiting for his lackeys to do their jobs uh and he's about to use the cosmic cube to make one wish mm -hmm. what is it well we're gonna take a break and we'll tell you all about it when we return <laughs> Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's get into Act 3, uh, Captain Marvel number 31 through 33, and Avengers number 125. Uh, we start with uh, Captain Marvel number 31, the beginning of the end. Uh, this is written by Jim Starlin, art by Jim Starlin, Dan Green and Al Milgram, letters by Tom Orzakowski, and colors by Jim Starlin. Uh, Marvel and Moondragon... Uh, enter Avengers Mansion to see half the Avengers trying and failing to restrain the Destroyer. <laughs> I like that he politely knocked on the previous issue, and now he's just obviously decided he's going to make a point of, you know, yeah. I, I need to get in there. Yeah. Uh, Swordsman is like breaking into Avengers HQ is enough reason for us, Phil Duchemin, you know, whatever he's saying in French, but it's like... <laughs> 
we saw him knock like he was talking to the butler like like yeah. i guess he broke i guess in between issues there was a moment where the but where jarvis said no and drax walked in anyway what you know yep. yeah yeah uh uh, Marvell calms everyone down, which gives them a chance to catch everyone up and uh, ask for their help. Then we uh, we cut to Thanos, who's monologuing and recapping, uh, and then he reveals his motivation. It's not for power or greed or glory. It's for love. Love of his lady, Death, yep. specifically. I find this to be such a beautiful reveal, and it is such a, you know, it must have been such a strange moment uh, for readers that he has this motivation where it's like, and it makes sense then why in the last issue he was selling the controller, like, why are you bothering? Like, what you're, like, you're dumb. Why would you do this? When in his mind it's like, I have a reason for doing this. I love someone, and I need to prove to them that I love them. It's the only person worth loving, which is death, the, the living embodiment of death, who, in the one silly thing on this page to me, wears little skull earrings, which, <laughs> which is very funny to me. Um, but it's that I feel like, you know, this is when... That this is the first the first time death that Thanos mentions loving death right, which is such yeah. a, which becomes such a powerful motivation for him later on and helps build him into such a like, complex villain that uh I remember reading a thing once about uh, the the villain Judas Traveler uh, who was in the Spider Man Clone Saga and someone saying like okay so he says he wants to learn the nature of evil or something why mm-hmm. why is he doing that like what that that's not a motivation and Thanos has a motivation and it's the it's such yeah. a it's such a basic one, and, it's so, and it be- means that this story is now a, this big battle between Captain Marvel as the avatar of this idea of freedom and the striving towards freedom and independence, and Thanos as the avatar of love and wanting to do – needing to prove his love. And it's such, yeah. a, it's such a great kind of kung fu judo move to have the villain be the symbol of love in, in the story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He also, right before uh, that reveal, he has a very funny line that I just want to mention where he's talking about the characters that are going to become – the carrots, the cast for the rest of the story. And he goes, lastly, moon dragon must die, though she's never truly bothered me. (laughs) And I find it to be such a hilariously kind of like believable thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, out of this love, uh, Thanos is going to give uh, death, his lady love uh, earth Mm -hmm. as a gift. Um, then we get a Last Supper tribute panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved this. Yeah, of of uh, Marvel, the Avengers, and Drax and Moondragon as Marvel recaps issues twenty six through thirty. Um, Thanos <laughs> Thanos suddenly transports Marvel, Iron Man, Moondragon, and Drax to his headquarters on Titan. So they get pulled right out of the Last Supper. Yeah. Um, the destroyer leaps at Thanos, but <laughs> yelling, uh, I am the destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic Drax. Yep. Uh, uh, but he imprisons the four of them in the same energy field that he's holding Eros and mentor in. So they're just all lined up in the action figure case that he already has. Yep. Um, <laughs> then, keep uh, mint. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to keep the crisp, crackly pink energy around them. Otherwise, the light gets through. The UV messes it. Uh, so, yeah, the <laughs> you need them all. Nine point eight. Yep. Yep. Uh, then then Thanos takes them on a tour of the solar system to show them his incoming armada as well as Kronos bound and helpless, which is in, in both of these things are just like. Okay, Thanos has got the cube, and he's got this armada, and he's imprisoned. It just keeps escalating. Yeah. Like he's like, "Well, here's all my ships. 
uh, <laughs> and here's like this army, and like it, it's like every alien race we've ever seen in the Marvel universe. Uh, and then full page splash, you got Kronos, where like each of his legs is bound by like a giant sphere of energy or a planet or yeah, something. Yeah, like a planet sized sphere of energy. Yeah, and it's and, uh, this, yeah. and this is such a cool image, but it'd be so much cooler if Kronos was a character that we cared about at all. Or right, and, it's like, <laughs> yes. and I feel like the. The sa- he does the same thing in Infinity Gauntlet, but he does it with like Galactus and the Celestials and it, and the right. Stranger, and it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like that, yeah, that's yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, they they then return to Titan after after Thanos after Thanos has shown them how impossible it will be to defeat him, but Marvel frees them all by changing back to Rick Jones and disrupting their uh, pink energy prisons. He's got his uses. Mm-hmm. It's always change back to Rick to get out of the thing. It's an old <laughs> lame Dr. Blake trick. Uh, yes. Thor's captured. Just turn into lame Dr. Blake. Those manacles aren't going to fit anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as five of the heroes attack Thanos, Mentor uses the opportunity to stop Titan's cosmic gyro, um, which sends it spinning off into space. Uh, another a, funny a, thing. Another very silly. It's kind of a silly panel, but it it does look great. It reminds me of Kirby though, just to see a, a planet like whizzing off in it, <laughs> like <laughs> bouncing around like a super ball against other planets. Yeah, that's not how planets work. But okay. <laughs> uh, and during all this chaos, Thanos loses his grip on the cosmic cube, and after uh, With Matt- a, and, and the the point where he realizes that he's lost the cube is close up on his face. The panel's co- colored red and. Stylin's doing all the colors, mm-hmm. so yeah. but like it just accentuates it. Like you have this moment of panic where you're like, "Oh shit, he might actually lose." Yeah, yeah, and it's a, and then it's just a crazy fumble, you know, scrum, yeah, uh, mad scramble brawl with Marvel, um, and he re- he Thanos recovers it and fights a mind war now with Moon Dragon, <laughs> which he also wins. Uh, yeah. And this one's a little, uh, little. It's got it's got a one big trippy panel, but it's not as crazy as the drafts. It's more like an yeah. album cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's very abbreviated, but I do like in the description they talk about reaching into each other's subconscious to find things that they can use against each other. And I like that Thanos is not just a he's not the controller. He's not just going to punch people, you know, or hit them mm-hmm. with machines that that he's holding yeah. in his hands. But that Thanos it means that Thanos is going into Moon Dragon's subconscious and finding like bad memories and things like that to attack her with, yeah. which is. Which is, it is something that I wish we could have seen. I wish there were more pages for it, except that this is already a pretty stuffed issue. There's a lot of, <laughs> like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, 12 panel pages in this one. Yes. Yep. And so uh, Thanos wins. Moondragon collapses. Uh, he then uses the Cosmic Cube to begin his grand transformation. And uh, the Cosmic Cube tumbles to the feet of the heroes because Thanos no longer needs it, nor can he necessarily hold it because he's absorbed its power and transformed himself into Thanos the God. And uh, yeah, then we just see like the light bright version of Thanos uh, hanging in the sky in a in a view screen. Yeah. Yeah. He's like literally a constellation Mm -hmm. just like looking down at them. And that's that's the end of uh, issue 31. Um, let's jump into issue 32, Thanos, the insane God. Uh, <laughs> let's hang a lantern on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's written by Jim Starlin and Mike Friedrich, art by Jim Starlin and Dan Green, letters by Dave Hunt, colors by Jim Starlin. 
so we pick up right where we, the last issue left off, and the Destroyer responds to Thanos's new godhood by, in his typical way by attacking him with everything he's got and uh, bringing the observatory down around their ears. Um, it's the third time yeah, that... A building, building has collapsed. collapsed. Yes. Yeah. And, and the destroyer is essentially attacking a view screen that has an image of Thanos yes. on yes. it. <laughs> but it's very angry like, at, a, at a picture. Thanos, of Thanos is like, yeah. "I'm one with everything," and and Drax is like, "Then I will punch everything." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Moon Dragon is injured in this collapse, and Mentor stays behind to care for her as Marvel, Eros, and I, I always say Eros. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Iron Man make their way to the Hall of Science where Titan's supercomputer Isaac is accessible. Um, Thanos animates some trees to capture Eros, so only Iron Man and Marvel make it to the Hall of Science where Marvel intent did I just say that? Uh, uh, where Marvel intends to use Isaac to figure out how to defeat Thanos. Right. So um, Marvel also grabbed the cosmic cube, which is devoid of power, but he still thinks could come in handy. Um, it's cool, you know, it's a, it's yeah, there's a cool a, memento, at, if nothing else. Yeah, but there is, like, a, it, these pages, it's super small panels and just, like, a ton of exposition in them. Like, I mean, you'll see when we get to the Avengers issue, like, the recap of that plot is <laughs> wafer thin. Yeah. Like, uh, but there's oh, so, thin. Yeah, yeah, so much going like, on. St- uh, Starlin always wants everyone to know everything that happened in the previous yes. issues. He'll go issue by issue with recaps. Whereas he could probably do it. And if he really needed to, he could do it in like a panel, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Thanos causes some demonic creatures to rise from the floor of the hall of science and attack Iron Man and Marvel. Uh, the destroyer then attacks Thanos and we learn <laughs> Drax's origin. He was, uh, of course he was a real estate agent named Art Douglas <laughs> on <laughs> right. earth who happened to witness Thanos's first scouting mission while driving with his wife and, and daughter. This is, and now, later this was retconned to him being a jazz musician, right? Yeah. Oh, was it? Because yeah. he, he eventually... It, that's where the saxophone yeah, comes Yeah, that's where the saxophone yeah. stuff comes from. And there's in, okay. later on, like in uh, Infinity Watch, he like starts playing the saxophone again. But uh, yeah. But I wonder why... I, I never quite knew why they, why they did that. You know, why it was like, yeah. Drax should be cooler. We'll make him a jazz musician. <laughs> Real estate I, agent. Pill. I don't know if it was in the early '90s. It was probably like you know, Bill Clinton made the saxophone cool again. So we got to <laughs> makes you know. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Thanos, because the, they were sighted or might have been sighted, like they, there's no proof that they even saw him or he, what they would do if they did. Yeah, you know, uh, he like, zaps the car and caused it to crash, and that so that killed Art and his wife, but his daughter Heather, like uh, who's like four or something escaped mentor and Kronos captured uh arts fleeing soul and used it to create the destroyer and then wiped those memories from his mind for mm-hmm. for fun or to be nice who knows yeah um meanwhile on earth the avengers are warned about thanos's incoming fleet and prepare to defend against it um so God, it just fl- so many panels yeah, on these pages just keeps yeah. flipping around yeah. tons of panels uh Back on Titan, there's Isaac, four, there's four panels. That's just it's just Luann, uh, just sighing and remembering Rick. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's yeah. like this. They're beautiful panels. They don't need to be here. Like we don't need to check yeah, in yeah. on how Luann's handling things. 
Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like why are we? Yeah. We, because we're flipping between like scenes in space and scenes on Earth and yeah and Titan and does does Luan have any aspect of her character other than wondering about Rick? I don't think so. Like that's it, right? No. Pretty much, yeah. she's yeah. beautiful and she cares about Rick, and that's it. Yeah. There's no. She has yeah. no. Other, yeah. No. Not much life other than that. Yeah. No. She was most interesting when she betrayed Rick because she was <laughs> being controlled. Yeah. Yes. Um, we we're all rooting for that. <laughs> so. uh uh, on Titan, Isaac generates a holographic form for itself, which is this cool, uh, weird-looking robot. Like, real weird-looking. Um, very, I don't know, Mobius kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, he like wears, a, like, a smoking it's jacket. like a cosmic yeah. smoking jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that, so he tells Marvell that as long as he exists in the world, the demonic creatures will never stop attacking. Uh so he he's like he's giving a riddle. So Marvel's like, oh, I just need to not exist in the world, and turns into Rick Jones, which is Rick Jones's one power is to not be Captain not Marvel. Be Captain yeah. Marvel. Yeah. So uh, and and the the attackers, these demon attackers, just stop. Uh, they freeze in place. Um. So Rick has Isaac teleport him to Earth with the empty cosmic cube, and Thanos appears before him. Rick, uh, one thing they, they've figured out is like Thanos's ego is his only possible weakness. Right. So Rick taunts and insults Thanos until Thanos demands that Rick release Marvel from the negative zone so that Thanos can demolish him molecule by molecule. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is taking advantage of Rick Jones's other talent, which is taunting other characters and getting himself into trouble, getting himself in bad situations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so uh, Captain Marvel number 33 is called The God Himself, um, written by Jim Starlin and Steve Englehart, art by Jim Starlin and Klaus Janssen, letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Jim Starlin. Um, and this is it, the final showdown between Marvel and Thanos. After four full pages of recaps, because again, Jim Starlin wants to catch us up, uh, the battle between every issue might be someone's first. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's no way you're going to understand any of this unless we give you four pages um, of recaps. Unless yeah. you knew that he was tricked into fighting Thing for an issue, you're never going to understand what's going on in <laughs> Thanos' master plan. Uh, so finally, the battle between the godlike Thanos and newly cosmic Marvel begins. And ends very, very quickly with Thanos pummeling Marvel into unconsciousness. Uh, and uh, that's where we end. No, I'm just kidding. As Thanos leaves, <laughs> Isaac op- appears to Marvel and reminds him that only cosmic awareness can conquer the cosmic cube. Uh, and then we learn that Thanos was gloating, uh, what he was gloating about in Avengers number 125. While the Avengers were off world, he shifted Earth one heartbeat ahead of normal. <laughs> So that they're out of sync with the world that they return to, invisible and intangible. <laughs> I feel like there's an easier way to do this yeah, without I don't, sacrificing an entire fleet. But. Mm, I, I, I love it. I love that. But this is his <laughs> yeah. idea of a, pl- of a plan that makes sense. It's like, yeah. I'm going to assemble a fleet of space pirates from all across the universe. I have to build a universal translator. I'm going to attack the Earth. That All that is just to distract the Avengers for a 35 minutes 45 minutes <laughs> so that i can shift the earth so i don't have to deal with them and the, the he, thanos is incapable of thinking on a small scale he has to think on the biggest scale possible yeah yeah and i think I this, do love that and i think this is when he realizes like i don't need to deal with hirelings anymore 
you know, yeah. after this, I don't remember a story. I'm sure there are some that I'm forgetting, but I don't remember a story where Thanos is dealing with like henchmen or hiding behind uh, subterfuges that don't involve kind of like tricking people himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he tricks mm-hmm. the Silver Surfer by faking his own death at one point. But that's it's not like he killed one of his thugs. He goes to Nebula and takes one of her thugs and, and does it. And like I feel like from this point on, he's like, you know what? Let me just do this myself. Like why why don't I cut out the middleman? Like I'm amazing. Let me just let me just handle this stuff. <laughs> uh, uh but because Marvel has his cosmic awareness and Mantis is good at everything powers, they're able to communicate <laughs> and make a plan to defeat Thanos. Um the destroyer shows up again and of course attacks Thanos again. Uh, he and Marvel battle Thanos who launches a skyscraper at them. Classic. This is like a doom. Move. I was going to say Dr. Doom style. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marvel regroups with Mantis who says that a godlike Thanos needs worshipers to exist and no one worships Thanos except himself. So he must still be drawing power from the cosmic cube somehow. Maybe he threw it away to make it seem like it was worthless. This is interesting logic in a in a universe where Thor is flying around super strong. When I don't know that there's that many people who are still, you know, sacrificing to the Norse gods on a regular basis. <laughs> right. but, yeah, but I th- uh, there's maybe there's people who buy his comic and that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. The, the 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 Marvel universe, Marvel comics of Thor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's it's very funny to me that uh, it's like the gods all hang out on Earth and they're real gods, but Earth is still a backwater to the rest of the universe. I think that's right. very yeah. funny. <laughs> but I think I've, I'm only now kind of understanding Drax, now that I think about it, the, the Destroyer, that like the Destroyer is futile. Everything he does is futile. He always fails when he goes up against Thanos. And I wonder if Starlin is explicitly using him as an example of strength without mind, you know, or without mm-hmm. thinking, that yeah. he, he is not a bad guy, but he attacks because that's all he knows. He is so focused on his goal that he puts no thought into it. And he always fails every single time. And that yeah. the idea of having a character who is not explicitly called out for that, but is providing the example of that, I think is really cool as a, yeah. as a kind of yeah. way of writing your comic. And no, I agree. I'm like, he, he's such a one dimensional character, but there is something really vital about the character. Yes. You know what? Like, I mean, the fact that he is kind of this inexorable force and he just keeps, keeps showing up and keeps showing up but never at any point do you think he's actually going to get the better no he's, yeah. it's, it's he's never a chance and warlock is like and uh, warlock uh, captain marvel is when they're fighting captain marvel's like well i'll let you deal with this thing i'll just i'll go over and do this other thing <laughs> yeah. like he's never he's never like oh if i help the destroyer we'll finally defeat thanos this way he and yeah. that that just the destroyer at this point is not dumb he's not the drax we've come to know who's kind of like a goofball he's right. just like he is a he's a vital powerful figure who is noble in his devotion to this task yeah. but he does not go the extra step to being aware of himself and his weaknesses and how the universe operates so he's doomed to failure over and over again and it's a very yeah. i love that stuff oh, i love it when a character is a metaphor for something yes. you know and you can take that yeah. and use it in your I'd like in college I, I read the new gods books and it was such a mind-opening experience for me where i'm like oh these characters are all representing things like this is amazing you know yeah so, yeah i love it so marvel they figured out that maybe the the cube is not worthless. Right. And uh, Thanos then shows up, obviously frantic at hearing what what Mantis is saying. He warps Marvel's reality. Uh, this is another crazy Starlin trippy page. Um, uh, he's aging 
Marvel like to death. Like he's he goes goes from blonde hair to white hair again, uh, to no hair, and just like turning into this very very shriveled old man. Mm-hmm. And as, I remember this, know, and as yeah. he's and as it's like moment by moment depicting him shriveling into old man as he's trying to leap to karate chop the cosmic cube. And I remember seeing there's a later story. It might be in the Infinity Gauntlet. I can't remember where they're recapping Thanos's history and they show this image of elderly Captain Marvel attacking the cosmic cube with no explanation as to why he's an old man and for years <laughs> i was baffled by this i did not understand what i was seeing the same way that uh, in the infinity gauntlet dr strange has that kind of ram man a sidekick and if you're reading oh, right. dr strange you know that's his his student who he's teaching that's his apprentice but he's just hanging around dr strange in the book and i was like what is this guy's deal like what is like <laughs> why does he how would i get no explanation about this it's yeah <laughs> You just have to know uh, years of history. Uh, of you just have Marvel to read Comics. every issue, true yeah. believer. <laughs> um, so, of, yeah, so this very aged Captain Marvel manages to land his uh, karate chop to the Cosmic Cube, which uh, seemingly destroys Thanos and leaves Death laughing. Uh, <laughs> pretty pleased with the whole deal yeah oh, and I, um, I love that it's thanos has fallen for the trick that everyone else has fallen for for thanos everyone who has served thanos thanos has destroyed and now thanos has continued that cycle in his own way the only way to truly love death is to die because death cannot love you back you are you're just mm-hmm. you're just another guy that death is having have is possessing for a moment and that he that thanos has fallen prey to thinking he is more important and more special than anyone else and has as a result become just another notch on death's belt i think it's it's such yeah. a it's such a great kind of ironic twist. if he had never come back it's such a great ending for him but that's yeah. but i feel like starlin is constantly coming up with great endings for thanos and then bringing thanos back like the end of the infinity Gauntlet <laughs> is the perfect ending for thanos where yes. that, that whole moment where he's like, he's like hmm i you know adam warlock who only wanted the piece the soul gem now has great and co- now has cosmic you know omnipotence whereas i who wanted to be a god am now a humble farmer i think i got the better end of the deal or whatever it is and like it's mm-hmm. such a great ending for him that kind of like redemption uh but then of course they're like jim this book sold a billion copies like will you bring thanos <laughs> back all right you twisted my arm i'll do it <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's yeah, it is a. I think it's a. This is a fulfilling ending and just a great. Um, I mean, th- there aren't a lot of these arcs and these events yeah. that stick a landing so far in Marvel history. Yeah. yeah, they they just sort of fizzle to a stop, uh, or they have just some nonsensical end. This, yeah, this seems to work in what the characters become. You know, Starlin just pulled it all together. So yeah. it, I think this is satisfying. Yeah, you know? and there's this last page where the characters are not jubilant in triumph. It's like no, not at all. It's like it, it, they, they, where there's the lines about like was that with each victory there's loss, with each relief there is regret, uh, and like the how each one of them has lost something along the way. Yeah. You know, even the destroyer is like, oh, I don't have a purpose anymore. You know, that's it's it's such a it's such a, a beautiful kind of sad ending to this this trippy cosmic thing that started with Captain Marvel and just fighting a bunch of his old no-name villains in, <laughs> yeah, a, in, right. a, in an abandoned building somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never see a Marvel superhero story ending like this. Yeah. Like, you never have a bunch of heroes just, like, standing around. Like, they should be overjoyed. Like, they beat up a alien armada. They destroyed the big bad, you know, who had the cosmic cube. It's like, everyone should be high-fiving, you know, but it's absolutely not that and it's it's so 
Yeah, it just hits so great. I love it so much. Yeah, uh, that's that's the end. We'll never hear from Thanos. That's again. it. Yeah, it was a good run. It was a good run for Thanos. Again, Thanos you know, war, it, victory does not go to Thanos, and yeah, and that's it. But but it's also yep. it's the. I don't know. It's very funny to me that, you know, that I live in a world now where Thanos is like a famous character that there are Legos yeah. of and that he's, yeah. he's someone that like conceivably my parents would have heard of because they might have seen that, you know, in one of the movies. It's very it's very strange to me. And if you told me I was yep. living in that world where Thanos is famous, I'd be like, that's amazing. As opposed to the reality <laughs> where I'm like, oh, this is sadly like like Captain Marvel and the Avengers at the end of the issue. I'm like, this is strangely unsatisfying, this victory that I fought so hard for all these years. Yeah. Like, I got everything I want, and it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. <laughs> well, uh, excellent. Uh, that's that's our, our coverage of the Thanos War. Ella Kalin, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, what are you up to uh, that our listeners should be aware of, uh, and, and where can they find you online? Uh, for the time being, they can find me online on Twitter at, at Elliot Kalin, and we'll see how long the, the app lasts. Uh, I, <laughs> I plan on, if it collapse, collapses, to just maybe saying goodbye to social media and not jumping to somewhere else, but we'll see. Um, but as to things they can get from me or uh, or experience of mine, uh, there's my podcast, The Flophouse Podcast. That's my bad movie podcast I've been doing for about 16 years now, and uh, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, we're doing a, <laughs> a monthly uh, broad uh, internet show uh, the first Saturday of each month called Flop TV. And if you go to simpleticks.flophouse.com, I think it is um, – you can. It'll definitely be in the liner. Okay, now, great. In show notes, so yeah. You can get yep. you can get a season pass to the season, which will allow you to watch the video the recordings of the previous episodes. And we have three more coming up. It's a six episode series season. We have three more coming up, and the response to that's been really good. So I think when the season's done, we'll take a break and then maybe do another season of it. Another oh, that, uh, my book. Maniac of New York comes out of Aftershock Comics sporadically, since Aftershock <laughs> Comics is not in the best financial health at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I have a book coming out from Dynamite right now called Hades that is a f- miniseries uh, starring Hades, the villain from the Disney Hercules movie. And it's a, yes. a Greek myth heist story where he's going to steal the Golden Fleece, so he assembles his team of of Greek mythological characters to try to do it. It's a very fun, <laughs> funny book. And uh, Alessandro Winaldi, who's who, the artist on that, has been doing a great job with it. And uh, I'm going to be doing another book with Dynamite that has not been announced yet, but, uh, but I've started writing it. I'm excited about it. I'm writing a book about how to write jokes with, for uh, University of Chicago Press, which will come out someday. I'm still writing it, but that's called Joke Farming. And uh, I have a book that I'm going to be doing through Mad Cave, the publisher, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce it, but, uh, okay. the, uh, and I have a podcast project that I'm in negotiations for right now that should be exciting that I also can't mention or say the name of what it is yet, I guess. So <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff I'm not allowed to tell people about. I going to say, you've been keeping busy. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again very much for doing the show. Um, we're going to let you go here because you have, uh, stayed way past, uh, when you said, you, Way past uh, my bedtime. That, that's not past yeah. your bedtime. I, yeah, we we asked for a certain amount of time, and then you gave us so much more, and uh, it's it's such a delight, and we really appreciate it. Well, thank you so. I'm, I'm I'm I was so excited to come do these issues with you. I'll always love talking to you guys about comics, and I love listening to the show. It's just a it's just a fantastic show, and I'm always excited to be. I'm always like when I listen to it, I'm always like, why was I not on that episode? I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> so please please do continue to invite me on as many as much as you want. You know, absolutely, we'll, we'll do. do. Yeah. 
next week's episode uh will not be an amazing cosmic epic but it'll be just about as much reading <laughs> it's going to be uh, a patreon exclusive omnibus episode for the rest of what marvel published in march of 1974 we're going to cover uh you know what i i don't want to mention any specific numbers here uh we are at a delicate point in negotiations with jamie to return to the podcast um so jamie doesn't have to read any of them except for most of them right yeah um we'll, we'll just say it's it's all open to negotiation mm-hmm. yep um we always put a free 15 minute preview of those uh, omnibus episodes on the public feed um but you will need to be a patreon subscriber uh to hear the whole thing um don't forget that patreon subscribers get extended versions of all of our main episodes including this one it is just four bucks a month at patreon.com slash marvel by the month just gamble four dollars <laughs> if you don't think it's worth the four dollars totally get it but uh i i my gut feeling is that you will find at least four dollars worth of entertainment on there for you yeah i think i could find four dollars worth of entertainment and you don't even listen to podcasts I'm, and i have you know ostensibly have listened to all of these <laughs> but only as we've been making them. yeah i mean there have been a couple i wasn't on and i listened to those too there you go uh, but i do find this topic interesting for some reason yeah yeah we should do a podcast about how interested we find this podcast <laughs> Uh, you can review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to listen to us. Take a screenshot of your five-star review, send it to marvelbythemonth at gmail.com with your mailing address, and we'll put some free stuff in the mail for you. Support our friend Jennifer. Yes, and, please. Uh, yeah, she is in a tough fight, um, and uh, every dollar you can donate to her GoFundMe at bit.ly slash keepgenreading um, is very helpful. Um, not just to help defray the cost, but just to let her know that uh, you think she's a good person and she and you're pulling for her. Yeah. So. And uh, as we said earlier, make a $100 donation to get a special uh, message on the show. Make a $250 donation to tell us what to record an episode about. Go for it. Make- I have <laughs> a collection of adult comics that I could make Rob and Jamie read and we could do that episode. If we get two hundred fifty dollars, maybe we'll bring Chelsea Kane back for that one. We could uh, make we could make Jamie, if assuming he comes back, read forty Richie Rich comics and and uh, watch him try to explain them to us. Uh, anything, anything yes. goes. Uh, comics related, just just let us know um, and make a five hundred dollar donation to join us as a guest yeah. on the show. If you've ever thought, hey man, I I read these comics when I was a kid. I would love to you know get on there and talk with these guys who i listen to every week it's like well this is your opportunity i mean we're gonna ask you to make a substantial contribution (laughs) but it's for a very good cause yep um you can find us on instagram at marvel by the month and marvel by the month.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop and that is all for now my name's brian stratton mine is rob milne we'll see you in two weeks for next month until then stay inside and meet comics